Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. You can turn to Matthew 26. I want to start out with this question. I want you to write it down. And if any thoughts go, are already come to mind, you can, you can answer the question. But I want you to meditate on it this week. The question is, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If, if you knew God blessed it, by the way. But if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do for God? Uh, what would you do in your family, your marriage, with your kids? What would you do in your finances? Uh, what would you do in your career? What would you do? Let, let, that, let that work inside you and let it, let it begin to maybe dig some deep things out of you. Uh, I believe there's a time in the, in the world today where the church needs to dream again. The church needs to, is supposed to rise up. It's just time to rise up. I was just at a men's conference this week, by the way, and I'm, I'm pumped up this morning, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm going like, to try to keep it tame enough to not blow you out. But uh, I was at a men's conference with 4,000 other men. Like, that's a big deal, guys. Like, 4,000 women, that's like a regular Tuesday. But like... 4,000 men like going all out after Jesus saying, you know what, I'm gonna, it's time to lay my life down for the kingdom. It's time to get in the game. It's time to get my feet wet and be a man that God called me to be. And like, whoo, come on. You know it's revival when the men of God rise up and start, really start walking out the prayers that so many women have prayed for some men. Whew. There's a, there's, that's not my message. That's another one for another time. But this question of what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? You know, questions have this way of sort of unclogging us at times. And they're like, kind of like a plunger, forgive the fil- filthy analogy. But it's like, it's, it's like it sort of unclogs some things and gets us flowing again. And it did this for me. A mentor of mine asked me this question like three years ago when I was stuck in life. And I asked myself this question. It got my juices flowing. It, it caused me to dig into my heart. And what it revealed about me was I had been sitting in disappointment. And I'd been sitting in failure. And I believe the Lord has a word for somebody this morning who's been sitting in disappointment and failure. It's time for you to dream again. It's time for you to come to the table. If you're in that place and you you say, that's me, I've been sitting in that place. I got good news for you today. There's a communion table here. And there's a place for you at at the table. So let's go. Let's read about the first communion table. Let's read about the Lord's Supper. And I believe it's going to speak to us. And I believe you can identify with some of the disciples this morning. Matthew chapter 26, verse 17. 
Now on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. How cool is that? There's this man, he's like, you know what? I just have a feeling I got to fix up my upper room. I don't know why, but he just obeyed the prompting. How many know it, it pays to obey the prompting? You don't know what, you don't know what your obedience will lead to. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It will have been better for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, You have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that you have an appointment this morning with us, with specific people in this room. Father, you have a word in due season, Father, that will, uh, Lord, uh, bring life to, to us, God. Bring revelation to us, God. Activate us, God. Father, to walk out the purpose that you have for each one of us, I thank you for doing that work here in this place. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So I want you to put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a moment. Can you use your imagination with me this morning? It's 10 o'clock on a Sunday. Hopefully you brought it with you. Uh, so here we go. So the disciples, it's been a long week. It's been Holy Week. Uh, they had the triumphant entry of Jesus on Sunday, Palm Sunday. Hosanna. You know, it was like, Jesus, the king is coming. He's about to set things right. He's about to go rat-tat-tat with a baseball bat to some Romans. We're going to take our place in the palace uh, one passage even says that they're talking about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. You know, they're like picking out their, their roles, you know, which, which, uh, which ruler are they going to be? Uh, you know, it's this moment where, you know, Jesus has come in and they're waiting at any moment. He's going to just take over at any moment, you know, and they've been following Jesus for three years. They've, man, they've done miracles themselves. And they're like, man, God, Jesus, he gave us purpose. I was just a poor fisherman. And now look at me, I'm about to be a ruler in Rome with Jesus. Uh. Like I'm waiting for my trophy, like the Jesus training program. I just completed it. Uh. Look at that. And they're having this moment. It's like a celebratory dinner, celebrating Passover. God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. It's like, man, God, God whipped Pharaoh. He's going to whip Caesar too. Look at me, look at us. And Jesus stands up 
And he drops the bomb on him. He does what that you hope that relative doesn't do at Thanksgiving dinner. You know, you're like, you're driving to dinner, talking to your wife, man, I just hope Aunt Sally doesn't bring up that thing because it's going to trigger Granny and Granny's going to lose her temper and go off on Uncle Bobby. And, you know, it's whatever that is. That's what Jesus did in that moment. They're having a nice, quiet dinner and then all of a sudden Jesus has to ruin it. Jesus stands up and said, assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. What? But, what? But Jesus, we've been following you for three years. Like, you know, you would think maybe they would stand up and, and, and Peter did this, but they would stand up and be like, no, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm, way, I'm way, way stronger now than I was three years ago. I'm a different man. I'm a different person. I'm, I was a fisherman, but, you know, that, that's, I know that's not me, but that's not what they said. You know what they did? It said they were exceedingly sorrowful. And they said, Lord, is it I? Is it I? That revealed that there was something in them, but they, they knew that it was entirely possible. Even after three years of devoting their life to this man, even after all this, all this time with him, sleeping under the stars with Jesus, listening to him snore. I guess he snored, I don't know. But they spent all this time and all of a sudden, it's like, all of a sudden, it feels like that meant absolutely nothing. They said, is it I? They all realized it's something in them. They knew that they were actually capable of that, of that failure, of that shame. Have you, have you ever spent so much time trying to put your past behind you? And have you ever worked so hard to earn some recognition, to show your wife that you love her to try to recover your marriage or, you know, extend yourself to your kids for years and years and years. And just when you think you're getting somewhere, they stand up and say something like, you failed me. I, really on my heart this morning, I feel like there's somebody, you've, you've disappointed somebody that you love so dearly. And, and here in this moment, the disciples, I believe, are feeling that. Like, Jesus, like... <laughs> Is it I? Is, uh, man, uh, the, the feeling of discipline. Imagine, you know, it's graduation Sunday. And congratulations to any seniors we have in the room. Imagine it's graduation Sunday and they get up and say, or graduation ceremony and they get up and say, I'm sorry, actually, all of you just failed. It, they, they failed. Here they were looking for their trophy and then they were declared failures in this moment. And they're sitting in failure they're sitting in shame. And they have a, a decision to make. Uh, they have two paths that they could take. And 11 of them took one path, and one of them took another path. Interestingly enough, the 11 who took one path, they said, Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? And the other one, you know his name. His name was Judas. And he said, is it I, teacher? Do you know the difference between a Lord and a teacher? Do you know Jesus as Lord or do you just know him as teacher? Uh, a teacher, he gives you a bunch of principles to follow, a bunch of lessons. And there are plenty of people that follow Jesus as teacher and they weren't found at the end. Uh, but, I mean, you know, Jesus is not just teacher, he is Lord. Uh, for a Lord owns it all. A Lord, whatever he says goes. Whatever he says we do. 
whatever he says. And so I believe that the distinction caused the disciples to make the choice, to make the choice in this moment of shame and failure that was going to turn it all around for him. And it's the same choice that you and I have to make when we sit in shame. Are you going to run like Judas did? That's the path he chose. Are you going to choose what the 11 did? And you know what the 11 did, That what they chose in that moment? They chose to stay at the table. They could have gone up. They could have been like, well, it's, I blew that. I got to go find another rabbi to follow. But they chose to stay at the table. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, stay at the table. Turn to your second choice and say, stay at the table. You're not a failure. I love you too. All right, so let's talk about this idea of staying at the table and uh, you know, Judas chose not to stay at the table. He didn't listen to his mama very well when he was growing up. Uh, any mamas in the house and you've ever, or daddies, and you've ever told your kids as they're running around like hooligans, would you stay at the table? Would you just get back in your seat right now? Anybody else? Am I the only one? I got four kids all under eight and every night is a war zone. I don't know what happens at dinner time. It's just like, it's all hands on deck. We're just trying to get objects of food in any mouth that we can and move on with bedtime. It's a war scene. It will not be on Instagram anytime soon. It's like whack-a-mole with four kids. It's like you get one oh, to the table and like, where's the other one? He's like under the table and one's climbing the curtains and it's just a mess. And you're like, I hear my parents. I'm like, I'm so sorry I didn't stay at the table, mom. I'm so sorry, mom. But, but stay at the table, son, kid, you, whatever you are. Stay at the table. Stay at the table. You know, we have these moments in life where we, we just, we, we feel the disappointment. And what, what is our tendency? What do we learn from Adam and Eve that whenever we sin or whenever we fail, what's our tendency is to run and is to hide. But do not let, do not let disappointment rob you of your God appointment. They had a God appointment in that upper room that night. And disappointment could have easily taken them away from that table, but they chose to stay at the table. And look at what Jesus did to the ones that stayed. He, said, he stood up and he said, he broke the bread and he said, here is my body. See, what they didn't realize is their failure actually had perfectly positioned them to receive Jesus. That their, their disappointment, it, it, Jesus didn't expose uh, them, but he didn't call out their sin to expose their failure. He, he, he called out their sin to expose their need. He, he wanted to show them, you, you're, you're now empty and you're now ready. I want you to see how empty you are. Because we go through life and, and we, we, we rest on our own laurels and we, you know, we're so proud of our own efforts. Like, I'm in the upper room. Look at me. Look at all I've done for Jesus. And he's like, no, 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 no. I need you to see how empty you are. I need you to see how worthless actually your own efforts are. So you know what? I'm going to lower you. I'm going to, I'm going to flatten you guys all to the ground. It was the highest form of betrayal to share a meal with somebody and then betray them. So in the height of their disappointment, man, Jesus is saying, now you're ready to partake. If you're here in this place this morning 
and you're sitting in your failure, disappointment, you are in the right place. There's a place for you at the table. You're actually perfectly positioned to receive. See what Jesus was doing, he said, here is my body. Here is the strength that you didn't have in and of yourself to get here. You're not here because of you. You're here because of me. And I'm now giving you the strength to stand up for me boldly. You know, they all had this, they all knew that they were all capable of betraying Jesus. But he's saying, here is my body. Here is my strength so that when they come to you, here's my strength so that when you have the chance to stand up for me, you will have the boldness and the confidence to do it because I'm giving you myself. You're filled with sorrow right now of your failure and shame. But guess what? I'm giving you the blood. I'm giving you the wine of the new covenant. You don't have to be sorrowful anymore. Drink the wine, drink my blood, and you can be filled with joy. Whatever, no matter the circumstance. No matter the circumstance. It's the blood of the new covenant. I don't have time to go into covenants right now, but go do some study on it. But what a covenant means. A covenant is uh, it's an exchange. It's this, it's this solemn accord of what is mine is now yours. What is yours is now mine. And in this moment right here at the table, in their failure, Jesus is saying, what is mine is yours. What is yours, which is nothing, is mine. Your filthy rags, come on, give them to me. Here's my robe. Here, here's all of who I am. You're, you're, you feel like you have no strength in this moment? Here is my strength. You're full of sorrow. You have no joy. Here is my joy. And usually a covenant is this agreement where both sides have a responsibility requirement to fulfill. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm even going to take care of your part of the requirement. Don't even worry about it. You literally have nothing to bring to this table. But if you'll just stay at the table, somebody say stay at the table. If you stay at the table, I'm going to lay out a feast before you that you don't deserve. You didn't earn, but you get to partake freely of is all that I have is yours. Jesus is the bread of life. The bread of life. And so we stay at the table. There's a place for us at the table. But what else did your mama tell you to do when you're at the table? You got to chew your food. You sw- don't, don't swallow that big piece. You chew it up. Eat a smaller bite. But you got to chew your food. Chew your food. It's not enough to scroll our phones and let a scripture on Instagram pass in one ear and out the other. That, that Jesus cares about this book getting inside of us. Oh, getting in, inside of us, chewing on it. God cares about what's inside of you. You know, in the Old Testament, the Passover, they sprinkled the blood on the door and the the angel of death passed over any house that had the blood on it. It didn't matter what was in the house as long as the blood was over the outside. But in the New Testament, God cares about the inside of your house. God cares because, why? Because if he can get, he created this beautiful creature called you that he knew if he could get life inside of you, what would come out of you is the fruit of the kingdom. That's his plan, guys. That's his plan. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Guess how that happens? It gets in you. The kingdom gets in you. 
Jesus said, I won't drink of this, in, the, in this passage, he said, I won't drink of this cup until we eat together in the kingdom. That's not some like far away time just in heaven. The, I mean, you know, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. We partake of Jesus now. We receive his blood now. We, every time we read this, we dine with the living King, Jesus. Do you know that's what happens when you read your Bible? You're dining with the king. He's present with you. And he, he wants to get inside of you. You got to chew it up real good. Do you have a meditation practice? Do you know what meditation is? I don't have time to necessarily go into meditation this morning, but I encourage you, go research a meditation practice. One of them, uh, one of my favorites is called Lectio Divino. It's your homework. Go study biblical meditation. Lectio Divina. There's four R's to it. Read, reflect, respond, and rest. And it's where you take a single passage, maybe even a single verse. You take a verse like Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20, you take a verse like this, and you read it over, and you read, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And you know what you do? You read it again. And you know what you do again? You read it again. And you sit. And you listen. You listen for the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You, you, you let it get down. You, you chew it up real good. You, you go to Romans 6, 11. Romans 6, 11, it says, Likewise, you also reckon. That's a good Southern verse to chew on. That's like a good chicken fried chicken right there with some gravy on the top. Reckon, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You chew on that. Reckon yourself, God, I, I consider, I reckon, I consider myself, I see myself dead to sin and its lies and its shame. Its voice has no effect in my life. God, thank you. Thank you. And the Holy Spirit, he'll speak to you and he'll show you. He'll open it up to you. He'll give you nuggets. And I promise you, the longer you give this, the more time you give to this practice, the more you will receive out of this practice. We got to recover this meditation. We have to eat the word better. We got to chew our food better. Because in this day, in this time, man, believers are chewing on all sorts of things. Do you know what binge watching is? It is a form of meditation. Someone was just telling me that they heard a study or podcast that uh, they have charted the, the most popular shows on Netflix the destinations in that show, there, there is a drastic increase in travel to the destinations of the shows that are on the most, that are on the most popular shows of Netflix. Well, why is that? Because you're meditating you're that, on that place. It is, you're ingesting it and it's building desires in you. It's building, it's, it's affecting your imagination and you're starting to envisioning, vision that you're starting to, you're starting to, dreams are awakening in you of visiting this country uh, on whatever show you're watching. It, do you know what Netflix is tapping into? It's tapping into your God-given design because you're supposed to meditate on this book. 
And it's supposed to capture your dreams. It's supposed to capture your heart. It's supposed to come out of you in the form of dreams. It's supposed to come out of you and you, you, you get these God kind of dreams and said, man, I'm going to go do this for God. It's tapping into that, but it's time that we actually do that with what we've been designed to feed on. Did you know 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if, it, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new creature. That means you need to feed on new life. You need to feed on new bread. You need to drink new wine. And we, you know, we end up in these places where we're frustrated with ourselves. We're disappointed in life. We're not sure how this got that way, that got that way. How, 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 why, why can't I choose what I need to choose more? And we, 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 we get angry at our spouses and angry at our kids. We lash out. We have short tempers. We're, we're depressed at work. We're stuck. Let me tell you, believer, let me tell you this morning, friend, you, you're, you're not those feelings. You're, you're just hungry. May I say you're hangry. You're hangry for some new food, some new life. Your, your spirit is actually craving what it was made to consume. You're hangry. Eat a Snickers, Betty White. You're hangry. And you, we don't know it. We live oblivious. We live oblivious to it. But it's time today to get back to the table. Stay at the table. Chew your food, and I promise you'll be transformed by it. You're the world, Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you give yourself to this process, and it's a process, it's not a one and done thing. It's a process. I, 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 I had separation anxiety as, as a kid in about the fifth grade uh, where I couldn't leave my mom. Uh, I, I couldn't even go to school hardly. I would fake like I was sick uh, just, to be, just to be home. And I just could, I had to be in her presence. And I, friends would invite me to spend the night. And I would, you know, a couple times I, I, I faked my fake sickness. So she'd come pick me up. Yeah, it's sad, I know. I mean, I love my mama, but I laughed at that story as I was sitting on a plane 15 years later with a one-way ticket to China with all of my stuff. Man, God, you took a kid with separation anxiety, and I now I couldn't be further away from my mom. I mean, I love my mama. I, I love you, mom. But what, what happened, I had ingested new life, and it had built such a comfort in the security of who was with me that, that when we read these words, we, we are actually fellowshipping, communing with the bread of life himself. And I knew so much that Jesus was with me that I said, Jesus, I'll go anywhere. That's what grace does to us. Grace transforms us. Uh, grace transforms and it sends us out. We, 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 we say, Lord, send me anywhere. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll lay my life down for you. And I just, I want to ask you this morning, have you, have you been empowered by grace in that way? 
Have you fellowshiped? Have you ingested? Have you meditated? Have you feasted at the table enough to where it's producing that fruit in you? I want to lay down my life. Your pastor has preached two amazing messages on grace. On Have you been changed by grace? And today I just want to ask you, have you been empowered by grace? Have you been sent out by grace? Because when you taste new life, it will send you out. I want to close with a story that I have been waiting to tell for so long. Uh, and I think, I think this morning is it. Uh, it's from the Old Testament. And, and, and there's so much power even in the Old Testament. Of, we see these stories of encountering grace even in the Old Testament. And this is one of those. And it's a story of why I named my oldest son Judah. Uh, does anybody know anything about Judah in the Bible? Chances are you know much more about his brother Joseph. Uh, Joseph gets all the press. Uh, he, you know, he's the dreamer. You know, may know the story. He's a dreamer, has a dream. His brothers get jealous. They, uh, they plot to kill him, throw him in a pit. They end up selling him to some traders. And, uh, you know, he gets, he gets sold to Potiphar. He gets accused of adultery, finds himself in prison, then interprets the Pharaoh's dream, and ended up becomes, becoming one of the rulers of Egypt. Great story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would argue, though, that the story of Judah is, is, is almost, even, almost more significant in the course of biblical history than even Joseph. And let me tell you why. In this narrative of Joseph, in the book of Genesis, the author interrupts this story. It's a long story. He interrupts the story of Joseph to tell the story of Judah. Chapter 38, he interrupts the story. There's no warning, just interruption. Boom, Judah and Tamar. And then it picks right back up with the story of Joseph. But in this chapter, he tells the story of Judah and Tamar. I yeah. What was that? It's <laughs> like, yes, Lord. Um, you want to tell it? Um, Judah and Tamar. See, Judah was the brother of Joseph. And Judah was one of the ones when Joseph, they would throw him in the pit. And Judah was one of the ones that was like, you know, guys, I just, I don't want this on my conscience. Let's don't kill him. Let's just sell him. He, he didn't really care about Joseph. He just cared about himself. I just don't want that guilt on my conscience. And so it looked like a good deed, but really he just was thinking about himself. And, and so they sold Joseph off. And the story continues on Judah in this chapter 38. Judah gets married. You know, time, a lot of time passes. Judah gets married. He has three sons. His oldest son marries a woman named Tamar. Uh, and his oldest son does something that displeases God. He drops dead. And this, this chapter is kind of graphic, by the way. So before you tell your kids about it, maybe have a conversation. Maybe you read it first and then have a conversation with them. I'll try to keep it PG here. Uh, but first son displeases God, drops dead. Well, in that tradition, the, uh, the widow marries the next son up. So next son, you're up. Well, the next son does something to displease God, pff, drops dead. Well, there's a third son, but Judah says, you know what? Like, let's, let's wait till he grows up a little bit and maybe make some better decisions with his life <laughs> so he doesn't drop dead. Uh, but he'll eventually marry Tamar. He says, Tamar, I, need, I just need you to wait until this son grows up a little bit. 
So many years go by, Judah even kind of forgets about it. Judah's wife dies. So now Judah's lonely. Tamar is lonely. One night, Judah's going to visit some friends, and Tamar learns about where he's going. Tamar disguises herself as a uh, <clears throat> lady of the night, if you will. Judah, lonely Judah, sees her, is attracted. Can't tell who she is, but he calls her into him. Marvin Gaye starts playing, you know, the rest of the story. Uh, you put two and two together. And Tamar says, what will you give me to do this with you? And, and Judah says, well, I'll give you these objects. It was like a ring, a scepter. So he gives them to Tamar. Well, three months later, birds and the bees, Tamar is pregnant. Judah is furious. Judah says, bring her out here to be burned. He's about to unleash all his wrath on this woman who just committed this act. How could she? She knows how wrong this is. This is punishable by death. He brings her out, but she's ready. She comes ready. She comes out. She says, the man that committed this act with me is the owner of these objects. And in that moment, Judah is confronted face to face with the greatest failure of his life. He's, he's confronted with the consequences of his, of his sin. He knows he deserves death. He knows he deserves death. And, and there's sort of a cliffhanger moment in there where it doesn't really go into detail about what Judah is experiencing in that moment. The story just actually picks up back in next chapter with Joseph. So it's like, wait, what happened to Judah? We don't see Judah again until the end of the story of Joseph. We know something happened to Judah because at the end, when the brothers all went to Egypt because of the famine, they went to get food and Joseph was over the food and they came to Joseph and they didn't recognize Joseph. And he said, I want you to go get your younger brother that you said you have. And so they went and got Benjamin. They brought him back. Then he said, I want you to go bring your father. But as they were leaving to go get the father, Joseph planted the golden cup in Benjamin's feed sack and framed Joseph for a crime punishable by death. Y'all following the story? Guess who it was that said, I will lay down my life for my brother, Benjamin. It was Judah. It was Judah. Now, how did Judah go from this place of saying, yeah, you know, don't kill him. I don't want that on my conscience. I don't care what you do with him. I just don't want to feel that guilt. How did he go from that to, I will lay down my life for my brother? It, it, to, it, to me, it could only be, it, the only explanation to me is that he encountered grace. He encountered grace. He was faced with the, the punishment for his sin. He was faced with the impending death and he was given new life. And that, that encounter with grace transformed him. And it, it, it transformed him where he's like, I know I've been given new life. I've got nothing to lose anymore. I'm looked out looking to lay down my life. I've been given my life back. Now I'm willing to lay it down again. It's only grace that could have done something in his heart. And I just wonder, has grace done anything in your heart? 
Has grace sunken down in your heart that much? Have you come to terms with what you deserved? Have you come to terms? Have you gone down to the depths of where you were before Jesus found you? Do you know what you deserved? In in your failure right now, maybe you're sitting in disappointment and failure. Have you you come to terms with how deep the grace of God is for you? That no matter how low you feel right now, you are nowhere near, listen to me, you're nowhere near as low as you were before Jesus chose to came and save you. You're nowhere near. God says you were his enemy. You put him on the cross. So what have you done to disqualify yourself now? Oh, Judah came to terms with that. My my prayer for my son is that he has an encounter with grace. That my my prayer for my son is that he, he becomes aware of his need for Jesus. And he pulls up to the table. He knows that he's got a place at the table that he didn't deserve, but that Jesus won for him. He knows that he's a new creature by the grace of God and that he chooses food. He, I pray this in the natural too, in Jesus' name, that Judah would stay at the table. But back to this, he, that I pray that he would pull up to the table of the communion table and he'd partake of the bread of life. And he'd say, I'm a new creature in Christ. Everything that Jesus has is mine. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Not by my own strength, but but I have such a faith in the grace of God and the strength of God in me. My prayer is that for my son, he'd rise up in the strength of God. I pray that for you this morning. Because there's a time, and I pray that for you, that it would, it would lead you to go out too. Because there's a time to come to the table. There's a, there's a word for us all to stay at the table. Don't get up until you're finished. There's a word for us to chew our food and make sure we get everything in it that God has placed in here. This word is life and health to our flesh. But you know, there is a time to get up from the table and go. There is a time when you're full of the word to get up and go. There's a word for somebody this morning. It's time for you to get up and go. It's time for you to get up and go to your neighbor. It's time to get up and go to your wife. It's time for you to get up and go and start loving your kids like you know you should. With the grace of God, not in your own strength. It's time for you to get involved in missions. It's time for you to uh, get involved in outreach. It's time for you to go. It's time for you to serve here. It's time for you to go. You're full. We don't keep eating. I mean, yeah, we always come back to the table, but after we're full, you can come to my house and see. After my kids eat, they're bouncing off the walls again. (sighs) There's that burst of energy that comes with food because there's life in it. There's energy in it. Go. We tell them to go run around. (laughs) Get your energy out before bed. But God's telling you, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. And when you've tasted of the grace of God, when you know that he he exchanged your worthless life for for a a new life, an entirely new life, you know that uh, you've you've been given a fresh start. You know there's nothing else worth living for. And that's what communion is. Let's stand up together as we... Get ready to partake of communion. Communion is this time where we come to the table. We come back to the table if need be. 
We examine ourselves. <clears throat> Excuse me. Am I partaking? Have I partaken of the bread of life? If you need communion elements, by the way, just lift up your hand. We got ushers in the aisle. Communion's a time where we ask, man, am I, have I eaten of the bread of life? Am I pulled up to the table? Is he my, is, is he my Lord or is he just my teacher? A teacher cannot help you uh, love your, your spouse better. But you know what? A Lord can, can change you, can transform you from a disappointment into someone who lays their life down. Uh, a Lord can take your old raggedy efforts. He can take years of trying to connect with your child. And, and he can do in a moment what you couldn't do in, in a lifetime. And communion is a time to, to examine ourselves and say, is this really in me? It's a time to be filled up and be sent out. Go back to your list. What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? What would you do? What would you do if you really believed you're a new creature? What would you do if you really believe that the power of God lives on the inside of you and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? What would you do? What would you do? Start dreaming again. And go. Get up from the table and go. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor Chase, I, I've never actually pulled up to the table. I, I think te- Jesus has just been my teacher. But this morning, I want to come to the table. I want to take my seat at the table. There's a seat for you. Maybe you need to come back to the table again. Maybe you let shame cause you to run away and hide. I believe there was forgiveness for Judas if he had wanted it. But he felt like his shame was greater than the grace of God in that moment. Don't make the same mistake this morning. Believe that God's grace is deeper than your failure then your sin, then your mistake and come back to the table. If that's you and you want to come to the table today, you want to accept that invitation, would you just lift up your hand? Lift up your hand. Say, I want to come to the table this morning. Amen. Hands going up. Hands going up. Invitation accepted. You're taking your place. You're taking your seat. You're pulling up. It's a new day. There's new life. Amen. Let's all just say this. Say, dear God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you there's a place at the table for me. I didn't earn it, but you freely gave it. I receive this new life. I receive the bread of life. I receive the blood of forgiveness. All that is yours is now mine. And now my life is yours. Send me out, Lord. I want to follow you as Lord and not just teacher. I want to go in grace. In Jesus' name, amen.